Welcome to the Rich Feet Podcast with Dr. Tanisha Richmond. This podcast is sponsored by the Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic, where they specialize in happy feet. Each episode highlights the best of Dr. Richmond's radio show, providing bite-sized clips of advice. Let's jump right into the show. Good morning to Dr. Richmond. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Oh, enjoying the spring weather. (laughs) This is no April Fool joke. You are here live. Yes. And normally you're here on Saturdays. Yes, normally I'm on Saturdays. Okay, again, uh, we say welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. So how are things going with you? I I had a little issues, but they have gotten better. I had some issues with my throat, not my feet. Oh, okay. With my throat, but it's, you know, one of those Z-packs to get everything going. Oh, yeah, yeah, those are good. I guess we go back. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. You know, there is a a commercial that I've been seeing on TV Uh about a woman who has lost her toes. Uh Uh-huh. Is this... Yeah, I had to remove her toes because I think she was a smoker. Yes. And, and I saw this. I said, oh, my God, you know. Mm-hmm. So do we take a take a, a, a serious approach toward our toes? No. Not most people. I mean, most people who really cons- are concerned about their feet and toes usually are diabetics because okay. they know their feet are high risk. But smokers and dialysis patients people who are immunocompromised like AIDS patients if their HIV is under not well controlled mm-hmm. they don't understand their feet are high risk as well but smokers especially lose their limbs because of smoking I remember when I trained at the VA when I was training they still let the veterans smoke out front so okay. we would walk through a plume of smoke every morning mm-hmm. and I was talking to our chief endocrinologist and I was like, all those veterans lost their legs from the war. He said, no, they didn't. They lost it because they're smokers. And now that I think about it, they were all smoking. And they were all, most of them were amputees. So, yeah, smoking does some devastating damage to the human body, not just your lungs and give you cancer of the throat, the lungs, and all other parts of your body. But the smoking damages the blood vessels around your entire body, but in your feet, Because the vessels are so tiny, they're like the width of a tip of a pencil. Any kind of blockage or limitation could be devastating. And that's when you start to see the gangrene and and that's when the amputations start. What is gangrene? I've heard that term. That's dead tissue. So it's just dead. Gangrene usually is black. It's black. It's smelly. There's wet gangrene and there's dry gangrene. So dry gangrene is more stable. So that looks more like a mummy toe or like a mummy foot. Toes literally will mummify. And sometimes they auto amputate, which means they the, the body will demarcate from the healthy tissue and the bad tissue and the, the toe will literally fall off. We've had patients bring them in in Ziploc bags which will go to the incinerator. (laughs) There's nothing you can do with that because that tissue is dead. So dry gangrene is more stable. Wet gangrene can kill you because wet gangrene means the tissue is dead, but the tissue can still pass on infection. Mm -hmm. So like when we tell a patient, if you see streaking going up your leg, that's something called cellulitis. That means the infection is traveling. 
And that's when you'll hear people say they went septic and they died. That means the infection got into their bloodstream, went all over their body and killed them. If you see those kind of changes, which is basically if you're brown, your toes are turning black. I mean, jet black. If you're white, your toes are turning black. That is a medical emergency. That is straight to the ER. That is do not pass go. Do not soak it. Do not dig something out of your cabinet for it. Do not call your cousin. Just go on to the ER. Because if you don't take care of it, it could kill you. Now, our toes are the furthest from our heart. Yes. So the blood has got to go all the way down there. And come back. And come back up. Yeah, but it's the size of the vessels. So in the vessels that, like your aorta, that come off your heart, they're probably the width of a pipe. But as those vessels travel, they get smaller and smaller and smaller. So that's why in the foot, if it's the blockage, it could be catastrophic because it's not a big pipe. It's a little bitty pipe. So you have a blockage down there. It could be devastating. And then if you don't have what's called collaterals, which are like, I would say, bypasses to help the blood get there, then one cut off of, say, the vessel that goes to your big toe, then the big toe could die off if it's not getting enough blood flow. Now, I've heard, and and you are an expert, so you can help me with this, but I have heard that, one, you you, or your doctor or yourself, you look for a pulse in your foot. Yes. And uh, also, you can look at at your toes and see if there's hair growing on your toes. Yes. If there's no hair on your toes, then you have a problem. Yes, you do. (laughs) Unless you shave your feet. Yeah. Yeah, so... We look for the pulses. We feel your pulses. It's your dorsalis pedis and your posterior tibial pulse. There are two arteries. There, one runs across the top. One runs across the medial in the inside of your ankle. We're looking at your skin for hair. The reason we look for hair, hair tells us you're getting enough blood to feed your hair follicles. So if your hair follicles aren't getting blood, they can't make hair. And then if your skin is su- severely dry, that tells you you're losing blood because you're not giving enough blood to the little cells that make natural oil. We make natural oil to our skin. But if you're not getting enough blood there, that's why lots of times diabetics, smokers, vascular patients, dialysis patients, skin is so dry because they're not getting enough blood to the, to the little cells that make natural oil to the skin. What is it that some people's feet smell that's a fungal infection probably <laughs> that's a fungal infection it could be bacterial but most time it's fungal um that usually goes along with having athlete's foot the athlete's foot causes the odor but it could be bacterial like say if they have an open wound a cut or sore if they're seeing redness pus drainage that's most likely bacterial but if they just have odor Almost like it's just fungal. But still, that's something you need to come in and let us determine which is which. And then, of course, if what kind of infection, because we may need to culture it and see what all is living there so we can give you proper antibiotics that cover everything. Do I need to have foot pain for me to go to see uh, you? No. Anything, anything, a rash, anything. I mean, I'm a foot specialist, so anything that's... Not normal, (laughs) I can address. Okay. Is there such a thing as prevention? Well, it depends on what you're trying to prevent. (laughs) I mean, like, 
it, like I had a patient yesterday. She works at one of the big factories and they're working six days, seven days a week. Those kind of patients really should all be wearing orthotics in their shoes. And I say that because they stand, they're doing 12 hour shifts and they're doing it six days in a row. Mm-hmm. So orthotics would bring the ground up to your foot. It will support your plantar fascia, which is a tissue. People always say, I got heel spurs. I got heel pain. And that's because that tissue is tired. It supports your body weight. And you're standing there 12 hours a day, six days a week. That tissue needs some support. So I would say like in those kind of people, they need to be wearing orthotics. Like, And then, you know, if they're wearing like steel toe boots and things like that, they need to be wearing something supportive. And then also in those patients, I also see a lot of varicose veins in those patients because they stand so much, they get varicose veins because their veins get tired and they become enlarged and swollen. So they may need to wear compression stockings. So it's all kind of dependent on what you do and what you do every day. That's why I always ask patients, what do you do? What is your occupation? And that'll tell me, what treatments we should work on to keep you healthy. Now, working on concrete, uh-huh. does that, you know, I'm constantly on my feet, but, but the basis is concrete. Does that cause any problems? Yeah, that's when you probably start getting the tendonitis, the Achilles tendonitis, uh, plantar fasciitis, you may start developing calluses. It's because you're standing and it's not a lot of, well, not a get, I guess we're not give. So you're, you're on something that does not bend or give you any break. So you got to give your body a break. You got to help the body, mm. your feet. Because I see a lot of places where they have where they have mats now. Yeah, those help. But I mean, after you've been standing there 12 hours on your fifth, sixth day, <laughs> I mean, your body, <laughs> our bodies just weren't designed to stand and be like that. And it's just normal wear and tear. Now, I've noticed that even at my house, people will put a lot of emphasis on their nails, you know, and getting them, ladies go to the <laughs> nail store. Yeah. But, but your feet have nails as well. Yes. So what, what's the common thing that you should look for or have your, your nails on your feet trimmed to? Well, if you're not diabetic, mm-hmm. <laughs> not on blood thinners, not on dialysis patients, or taking anything that can compromise your immune system, you can get you a pedicure if you're healthy. Okay. Because lots of times I see infections from people going to these places. They're coming back with ingrown toenails, rashes, fungus, things like that. So it's okay, but kind of be aware of your surroundings. Look at the cleanliness of the place. Look at how they're cleaning the instruments, things like that. But if you are diabetic, I would not advise it. That's why I actually have a foot spa, a diabetic friendly foot spa in my office that's done by my staff. But the trimming of the nails and calluses is only done by a doctor, by a podiatrist. And I created that to keep them out of trouble. Now, you mentioned something, and I, I want to take a break here we come back. You mentioned ingrown toenail. That is an inflammation of the toenail, and it's usually on either the 
inside or the outside part of the ingrown of the toenail. And that's where the nail grows into the skin and the body reacts to the nail like it's a foreign body, like a splinter or something. Or sometimes where I recently saw a lady had just had a pedicure and they must have nicked or cut her in some way and that area became inflamed. And so she would either... I actually, she had antibiotics. She did antibiotics, but she's coming back in a week. If that doesn't resolve it, we may have to take out part of the nail that's causing the irritation. Now, if you take out that nail, does it grow back? Yes, it will grow back. There is medication. It's the acid that we can use where it won't grow back if they don't want it to grow back. What is the purpose of having toenails? It protects the bones in the tip of your toes. So we have what's called phalanx, or the bones of our toe. And the phalanx, the distal phalanx, is not too far from the base of the nail. So the nail protects the bones of your toe. So like when you stub your toe, drop something on your toe, the nail takes the trauma. But the bones don't get broke unless it's more force than the toenail can handle. I mean, you cut that toenail down to the quick? Yes, now that's just, you're going too deep, you're going to the skin. And that's what a lot of people, when they have fungus, they want to dig out that crusty stuff. And I'm like, that's actually your nail. You keep digging, you're going to start bleeding. Because that's what's left over after the fungus have chewed on your toenails. I said, it's like having termites. <laughs> termites so, in your toe, huh? Yeah, there used to be a commercial where it was a giant fungus. <laughs> he would lift up your toenail and go live underneath there. <laughs> ugly creature. I guess. (laughs) Now, something else, too, that you mentioned, and that is orthotics. Yes. Well, how important is it to get orthotics? And do you need orthotics in every pair of shoes? Or, you know, because now you can buy them on, on the market and you transfer them from one shoe to another. So what's the rule on those? Well, it depends, like, once again, what you do and what's your activities. Like, so if you're a runner, you should have them in your running shoes. If you're a walker, you should have them in the shoes you walk in or exercise in. If you're in the industries when you're in construction or labor or you're in a manufacturing, the shoes that you wear where you're in standing on your feet the most often. Like, I've had conversations with patients who want to still wear high heel shoes. And I'm like, well, when you're not at church or where you want to wear these shoes, you're going to wear these other shoes. They're more appropriate to your feet. Mm -hmm. Now, you can wear your church shoes, but when you get in the car, (laughs) you probably want to slip on your house shoes or your other shoes that are more comfortable and conducive to your feet. So it's really the shoes that you have the most activity in, the most consistent activity. Like I wear orthotics every day unless I go to church. When I go to church, I wear my cute shoes. <laughs> when I come home, I go back to my in my tennis shoes or sandals or house shoes. Should they be custom made? It depends on your deformity. I sell over-the-counter orthotics in my office for $40 a pair. But you can get customs. Those are customs are generally 400 a pair. But it depends on your deformities. Like, say you are severely flat, like flat, flat. I mean, your arches touch the entire ground. There is no arch. 
you probably need a custom orthotic because you got to have something that we can build that keeps you from what's called pronating or supinating, where you would roll over on your shoes. Or say you're a rheumatoid patient. Rheumatoid patients have severe hammer toes, bunions. They need something custom. They may even need a custom shoe because they have so many deformities of the foot. So it just depends. And then like a diabetic, if they have an amputation, we can make custom inserts for them to fill in where their toes used to be so it can help them walk better and it helps them with balance. So it just depends on how abnormal or normal your foot may be. (laughs) But the average person probably can do something over the counter. Like I have over the counter orthotics in my shoes. But if you have like major issues, major bunions, major hammer toes, or you have something like rheumatoid arthritis, which could devastate a foot and hands, you may need a custom orthotic. And is there ever the case, well, I know there would be uh, a case where there would need to be some surgery to remove a bunion. Do you do that outpatient or does That's done outpatient. I don't do surgery. I am surgically trained, but I would just refer you out. But usually we have a conversation about surgery first because people don't realize foot surgery is major surgery. They think it's like going to the dentist. Mm -hmm. For foot surgery, you have to be put to sleep. You're you're down for usually four to six weeks off the particular foot that the surgery's done on, and you can't walk on it at all. And and then also there's health issues. So, you know, if you're over a certain age, usually 60s and 70s and up, you got to have cardiac clearance. You know, you have to be clear because you're being put under anesthesia. So it's not as simple of just getting your bunions fixed. It's a process. And that, that, that's because uh, I was going to ask you about risk factors as far as pain, that pain in your foot. Is it actually the pain that you're experiencing? Is it actually in your foot or is it indirect pain? Depends on where it's coming from. So I have a lot of patients with chronic like bulging disc arthritis of the spine and if you have bulging disc or arthritis of the lower spine so the spine right above your butt if you have bulging disc there a pinched nerve there or arthritis there you'll feel the pain in your feet and it'll radiate to your feet so you'll feel it like tingling burning stabbing pain now if you're diabetic and you're uncontrolled, you'll feel it in your hands and your feet, generally. But you can also have other reasons to have it. You could have had chemo. You could have thyroid disease. You could have HIV. You could be taking certain medicines that could give you neuropathy as well. So it kind of depends. When a person tells me that, I have to ask, well, what are your other health issues? And generally, if they're healthy, I always go to their back. What's wrong with your back? (laughs) And they'll always tell me, oh, I got a bulging disc in my back. Oh, I was, I have chronic low back pain. And that's when I have to refer them out to a back specialist to figure out exactly what's going on with their lower back and work them up and figure out why they're having the pain. Just not giving them a pill because they may need to get their lower back addressed, mm-hmm. the issues in their spine that can control the pain in their feet. Now, in your feet, if it's not really pain but it's uncomfortableness, mm-hmm. you know, like like the itching. You, like at night, you know, you're in the bed and you got that itch on your feet and you feel like, well, I just rub my feet together <laughs> and maybe it'll, it'll go away. Well, what is that? 
that could be something called restless leg. So that's that could be a vascular issue as well. So our body can't talk to us, but it can send us signals. Mm -hmm. So so say you you're in pain or say the muscles and the ligaments and the nerves aren't getting enough blood flow. They can't tell you they're in pain, but they can send you signals. And that's usually weird sensations, which are called paresthesias. So you'll feel like something's walking on you, something's crawling, something's stabbing you, something's shocking you. That's messages. And it's coming from your nerves and your muscles saying something is wrong. And it's giving you signals so you can, I guess, tell your doctor, I'm having all these funny feelings at night. Mm -hmm. And then we, as a physicians, we have to figure out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And if, let's say, uh, a person is uh, prescribed some gabapentin yes. to deal with that, how safe is that? Well, it depends on, gabapentin is a drug that's used to treat neuropathy. So we have to monitor it. It's actually now monitored by the DEA because it's been a high incidence of abuse with that with heroin addicts. Really? Yes. So we monitor gabapentin, and then we also have to monitor if anyone is taking gabapentin, they always need to know what their kidney function is because gabapentin is cleared by your kidneys. So like we'll see, I may see a patient taking 100 milligrams, and I'm like, what's wrong with your kidneys? Oh, I'm on dialysis. That makes sense. You can't take a high dose versus someone with healthy kidneys. Mm -hmm. And then also, everyone can't tolerate gabapentin, so we have to adjust the dose to a person's tolerance because it has side effects of drowsiness, loopiness, but it doesn't do it to everyone. So some people can take 800 three times a day, and they're fine, but some people can only take 100 three times a day or once a day. So it all depends on everybody's chemistry, body chemistry. Should I come for a checkup? Well, the man says, how often should I? So if you're diabetic, you should be seen at least two to three times a year. Okay. If you're diabetic, you're on dialysis, you're a smoker, you're immunocompromised, or, and or on blood thinners, you probably should see your podiatrist at least annually. But I mean, if you have a problem, you should have it checked out. You know, I always say that God gave us a gift and it's pain. <laughs> he wouldn't want us, if you, if you have pain... You should address it and see what it is. It could be nothing. It could just be a callus. But I don't want you at home in your kitchen <laughs> or your bathroom pulling out tools trying to deal with that callus and cut yourself and cause an infection where I could just take my blade out and do it quickly and safely and keep you maintained and out of pain and complications. Yeah, I have a, a friend who has uh, some problems with his toe uh -huh. and his wife has been trying to get him to go to the doctor yes and he and you know us men here we are right yes i know i know yes yes then i go to the doctor <laughs> well saturday he didn't go to the doctor he went to the emergency room uh-huh yeah because it uh it don't heal on its own no sometimes it won't and that's another problem <laughs> We were about to talk about warts. Yes. What are warts? So, well, warts can be found anywhere on the body. So, okay. like, you could have genital warts. You could have, That's like, <laughs> wait, they're, they're all, they can live all over. It's a viral infection of the skin. So, and, and you can get it on your feet as well. We call them planter warts on the feet. Okay. So, generally, 
To tell the difference between a wart and a callus, generally in a wart, they are, they sometimes they look like cauliflower, so they have lumps on them, and they're usually not in pressure points that you would normally see a callus. Like usually you'll see a callus like where you would rub your foot commonly. And then also in warts, sometimes you'll see little black dots, which warts make the skin bleed. So you'll see little dots in the base of it. Because I had a patient come in the other day and he went to the ER and they told him he had plantar warts. He had calluses. And generally, I don't see warts in adults. Rarely do I see warts in adults. I mostly see warts in children, preteen, because as we get older, we don't walk barefoot in the places like we used to. So in most places you catch warts, it's usually like at swimming pools. You may get it going bowling, but it's more public places where multiple people are walking across the same surface. But the most place, most common place would be like pools, pool, pool parks, swim parks, things like that. Now, I'm reading a, a handout here that says, unfortunately, warts can be very resistant to treatment. Yes, because it's a viral infection. So generally, the main thing we do when we start off with warts, first we do a biopsy. And the reason I do a biopsy is to confirm what it is. There are warts. There's a thing called melanoma, which is a form of skin cancer. It could be a rash. It could be other things. So our first thing I do is I always start off with a biopsy to make sure it is a wart. Then we would have you back. We do what we call, we freeze the wart. So we'll debride the skin as low as we can go without bleeding, and then we'll freeze it. And then that's how we're trying to kill the wart. And generally, if your insurance will pay, we'll order you something topical with antiviral medicine in it. And we usually do that about three to four times or as many times as you like. And if the wart will not die, sometimes they have to be sent to the hospital where it has to be cut out or burned out. And then they have to just heal the tissue back from the cut or the burn to kill the wart. So when you send it to the hospital, you take you say take the patient has to go too. Huh? Yes, <laughs> yeah, you send them to the well, you send them to the surgeon. They have to get it scheduled, and it has to be done in the OR. And now there's a what laser treatment for that? Yeah, some podiatrists have lasers in their office. There's another device uh, that I saw at a conference where they use microwave waves to kill the warts. I don't know if anyone local is doing that because it's not a very, it's a very expensive machine. And in my patient population, I may see clinically warts five times a year, maybe. Why I know for sure I'm treating warts. I don't see it that often Mm -hmm. in my patient population. Now, how important is it for a a patient to trust the the podiatrist? It's very important. I mean, we have to trust everyone. I mean, wherever you, you got to trust your mechanic, your hairdresser, <laughs> your doctor, you got to eat, you got to trust they wash their hands in the back. I mean, it's very important. And, you know, I I actually had other physicians work for me and I found that their personalities did not allow the patients to trust them. And, you know, they're no longer with me because they couldn't build that relationship or was unwilling to build that relationship. And that's a conversation I've had recently with Gem City, which is a group for, for African-American podiatrists, I mean, physicians of all different specialties. And the things that we talk about are, it's a difference with culturally relevant care. I mean, I can sit and talk to my patients about chitlins and hog malls and grains, 
and have a conversation now. Now, if you're going to cook your greens now, just use some smoked turkey. <laughs> Don't use, you know, fat back. You still get the same taste. But I mean, a person of another race may not be able to have that conversation with their patient or you know, and then like, I'm a diabetic. I've been diabetic 20 years. So the conversation I can have with a diabetic, most doctors can't, you know, we can go toe to toe. We can go back and forth on all the excuses and the reasons why you can't eat right or do what you're supposed to do. And I could tell them I've been doing it for 20 years and I don't have any complications. I'm not about to lose my foot or go blind or end up on dialysis. So trust is very important in healthcare because Basically, they're putting their lives in our hands. The decisions we make can determine whether they live or die. And that, that, that is a very powerful place to be in the pros and the cons of it. How do you handle a situation where you have given, and I don't want to use the word instructions, I want to use suggestions okay. to a patient? Mm-hmm. And, and, and along with those suggestions that you have given that patient, there is a return visit requirement. Yes. Okay. And when they do that return visit, you see that they haven't done a thing what you <laughs> suggested before. How do you handle that situation? We have a come to Jesus talk. <laughs> I talk to him like I would talk to my child. <laughs> In a motherly way. And I mean, I have an honest conversation with him. I mean, you know, I have recently, I've been taking care of a diabetic that I've been telling him, you know, you got to get your blood sugars under control, trying to get him to see a dietitian, learning how to eat right. And, and if they refuse, I have a blunt conversation with him. I'm like, do you want to keep your feet? Do you want to stay alive? Do you want to end up on dialysis? Do you want to have a stroke? Do you want to have a heart attack? And once I have that conversation with them, I think it starts to hit home. You are in control of all this, not me. I'm just giving you the tools. But if you refuse to do anything I say, this is your path. The road less traveled. You're going down that one. So my patients say I'm very blunt, <laughs> but I'm the, the patients that I have the most trouble with are usually in stage everything. Like I have a patient now, he has four ulcers, two ulcers on each feet. I think he's going into renal failure. He may be having blood, a vision changes. So, but then I know his path because I had a patient very similarly die two years ago on, on Valentine's Day. He was only in his fifth, was even in his fifties. He may have been in his early fifties. He had diabetic ulcers. He was going into renal failure. He died from massive heart attack. I actually went to his funeral and I was so upset because it was all preventable, but he just wouldn't do right. He wouldn't eat right. He wouldn't follow a diabetic diet. I don't know if he was taking all his medications. So when I fuss at my patients, it's because I know I see it. I don't have to read an article. I remember the last patient who died because their A1C was consistently 13 when normal is seven or less. So, so I mean, I, I'm a very direct person. And in the line that I'm in, I have to be direct. I can't be warm and fuzzy. <laughs> I have to be honest with you and tell you your future because I see it. 
Dr. Richmond, I have not asked, but it's very important. Can you give our listeners contact information for you? Yes, so my phone number is 937-228-3668, website richfeet.org. If you do call and you go to, it's an app that will take over for the voicemail, you can leave a message and then you can text back and forth with the staff with any questions. And also to get scheduled for an appointment. So when you do call, be prepared to have your insurance card and your ID. And know your current insurance, please, because we are at the beginning of the year. Everybody is switching. I'm currently not on Anthem. That's one plan I'm not on, but we do offer package for that as well. But yes, make sure you know your current insurance because we have patients will show up. They'll tell us one insurance on the phone and then show up with a different insurance. And it's a big argument. But yeah, so if you're having questions about your feet, just call the office. If you cannot get through because our phones are ringing nonstop right now because it's summertime, just leave a message and Clara will actually, our app will transcribe it for my staff and they'll get back with you. Now that number again? 937-228-3668. And the website is richfeet.org. Yeah, I'd like to have some rich feet. Well, rich, healthy feet. <laughs> Anything we have not talked about that you want to make sure that our listening audience is aware of? Well, you know, we're in peak season for fungus because it's getting warmer. So we talked about earlier stinky feet. Mm-hmm. So stinky feet lots of times could be a fungal infection. It could be bacterial. So if you're seeing redness, pus, drainage, or pain, most likely that is bacterial infection. You need antibiotics. You need to be seen. Funky feet <laughs> could be more fungal infection, like a secondary odor caused by having athlete's foot. If you can, try things over the counter. If the odor still won't go away, that's when you need to come see a podiatrist because we can prescribe you prescription strength, antifungal medications, powders. And if it's that bad, sometimes we even have to put you on antifungal pills to help clear it. I see really bad athlete's foot from people coming out of prison. I see some horrific athlete's foot cases. So if you're just getting out of jail, and you have a really bad athlete's foot, you probably may need to go on some oral antibiotics. What causes that? It's just a fungal infection. It lives everywhere. Actually, I had a Vietnam vet in yesterday, and he was like, yeah, I did Vietnam. I said, you're the reason we have such bad fungus. Y'all brought it back from Vietnam. That jungle rot they talk about is a bad fungus that they brought back from Vietnam. And it causes really bad fungal infections. But it usually lives on carpet, shoes. Like you go to the shoe store, try on shoes. They may already have fungus in them. If you're buying used shoes from like the Goodwills and things, you need to be spraying everything down real well with Lysol, antifungal spray. And then, of course, if you have sons or husbands and they have funky feet, they can give it to you. So you want to be cleaning out your tub or shower. They shouldn't be walking around the house barefoot because they can drop spores and then infect you with their fungus. And people with diabetes shouldn't be barefoot anyway. Never. Never. Unless they're in the tub. Because a diabetic, they lose something called protective sensation, which means they can step on a nail attack and not feel it. They don't have that pain 
protection. So that's why we always tell them to wear shoes and wear something thick enough. If you stepped on a nail attack, it wouldn't pierce your skin. Now, you mentioned shoes. You are a diabetic shoe vendor? Yes, I have them. They are in my lobby. We use uh, the product line Anodyne, so you can go on their website and look. They're very stylish, very cute shoes. I, I wear them. Well, I should be wearing them. I need to get me a pair. But they have boots and dress shoes, tennis shoes. The only way you really can tell is if you're diabetic <laughs> and you've seen them. <laughs> But they're not ugly and not Frankenstein like they used to look like. And if you want a diabetic shoe, you got to see a podiatrist. podiatrist and get a script. Yes, you have to be examined. There's paperwork we have to do. We have to send paperwork to the primary care doctor. That is very important because we cannot order the shoes until we get paperwork back from their primary care physicians. So you need to know who your primary care physician is when you come see us so we can send it to the right doctor. Because some of the clinics around here have like rotating residents and we have a lot of trouble finding who their doctors are, and which holds up the time, you know, it stops us from being able to order the shoes because this is all run by Medicare. So there's a lot of rules and regulations we have to follow. So you wanted me to give a recap of everything we talked about today? Uh, no, that would be an hour. Oh, <laughs> we just got a few minutes if you would give us a wrap up here. Take care of your feet. You only have two. We were given a gift from God, which is called pain. Do not ignore it. Whether it's in an infant to a child to a 90-year-old, if you're having pain or issues with your feet, always just give us a call. It's always better safe than sorry. It could be something simple or it could be something major. So give us a call at 937-228-3668. Let us take a look, let you know what's going on. We can do x-rays, things of that nature, check you out and let you know if everything's okay. Dr. Tanisha Richmond, thank you for being in touch with yes today. Okay, thank you for having me on. And uh, we'll see you uh, at the end of the month? Yes, sir. The fourth Saturday of this month. Take care of yourself. Be safe. All right. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's show with Dr. Richmond, sponsored by the Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic. The clinic is located at 1323 West 3rd Street in Dayton, Ohio, zip code 45402. To book an appointment, call 937-228-3668, or you can learn more at richfeet.org.